0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. I am your host, Holly Samuel, and I am a registered dietitian and certified personal trainer and master of education and health promotion focusing in eating disorders. And I am doing a solo episode today to kick off the Nutrition for Runners series on this podcast. I have enjoyed doing this podcast with you guys so much over the past few months since I launched And I would really appreciate a rating and review, make it a five-star one for good karma if you are enjoying it so far on whatever hosting site you're using, because it just helps other runners just like you find it and be able to utilize and benefit from all the good information that we're talking about. I'm really excited to be doing this Nutrition for runner series. I think it'll help put a lot of what I work with one-on-one with some of my clients um, kind of into perspective. And also debunk some myths that are out there in the diet industry right now. I'm also super excited to announce the sponsor for today's episode, which is Inside Tracker. Now, Inside Tracker is really um, an awesome company, and I use them for my one on one clients, and they really help me give them a more individualized experience because Inside Tracker is a company that will help you test your blood work and give you a really individualized inside look at what's happening inside your body and how you can implement certain nutrition, you know, lifestyle and supplemental interventions as well in order to optimize your results. So Inside Tracker doesn't just look at, you know, getting your labs into the normal ranges. They really look at optimizing your results to help you meet your goals, which as an athlete is super helpful. So, if you want to take advantage of Inside Tracker's best deal of the year, and you guys, this is an amazing deal. So, I hope you do take advantage of this. Take control of your health and wellness with $200 off of their Ultimate Plan, which is their most comprehensive package. Um, and you can use the code Gift from Fit Cookie at checkout at InsideTracker.com or link in the show notes. So again, the ultimate plan, which is their most comprehensive package, is something that I've used on myself to check in with my lab work and also a lot of my clients use as well. And if you're looking for further consultation with um, your lab work that you get back, I would be happy to schedule a consult with you so that we can go over it together and that you can kind of get a more individualized approach to your health. Now, we're gonna dive into the episode today. And You know, macronutrients and, you know, further down in the series, micronutrient intake are definitely something that, you know, getting lab work done can really help you have more insight to. Now, you know, the information in these podcast episodes is going to be for your general education. You know, it's not a replacement for individualized medical advice. You know, while I'm a dietitian, I am not necessarily your dietitian unless we're, of course, working together one on one. So, you know, make sure that you do take that into account. So, I'm not going to be talking about specific like percentages or specific ranges, unless it's for the general public in any of these episodes, because those are highly individualized things. And basically, if you know me, whether it's in person or through this podcast or through my, you know, social media pages, you know that it depends and there's no one size fits all in nutrition will probably be written on my gravestone one day. (laughs) So make sure that if you are wanting more individualized results and, you know, more of an individualized approach to your specific needs, working with someone like a dietitian or a personal trainer, if you're kind of tackling the exercise piece as well, one-on-one is going to help you the most. Now let's get into the episode. All right, so we are kicking off the Nutrition for Runners podcast series on the Fit Cookie Nutrition podcast with our topic today, which is macronutrients for runners. So you might have heard of the word macronutrient or macros in kind of the diet fitness world. Um, Basically, what they are, just to summarize, is that, you know, we need calories or energy in order to fuel our bodies and function properly. And the four macronutrients or macros that provide calories are carbohydrates, protein, fat, and technically alcohol is the fourth one. So today in the episode, we're going to talk about specifically the essential macronutrients. So carbs, protein, and fat, sorry, alcohol is not considered an essential macronutrient, Um, but we'll touch upon that a little bit too, probably in a different episode in this series. But I wanted to make sure that you have a good understanding of what these three macronutrients are, what they do for our bodies, you know, where to find them, how to use them, and maybe debunk some myths for you about how some of them are good versus bad. Now, again, keep in mind that this is specifically for runners. I am going to talk a lot about you know, kind of general um, information about some of these. But I do want to dive more into today about, you know, specific macronutrient recommendations for runners and endurance athletes. So as we know, runners, we work, we work hard. (laughs) Um, Running is a very high impact sport. And oftentimes runners generally need more than the average person when it comes to nutrition. So We need more calories because we need more energy. We need more water because we're sweating more. We need more micronutrients to support our hardworking body systems and keep us injury free. We need more sleep. We need more um, probably trips to the bathroom on race morning than your counterparts who come to support you. (laughs) We need a lot more of a lot of different things. And a lot of those things are macronutrients as well, because like I just said, runners need more calories and macronutrients provide calories. So let's get into our first macronutrient, which I'm just going to rip the bandaid right off here and talk about carbohydrates. So carbohydrates are one of the essential macronutrients for all humans. (laughs) Um, They contain four calories per gram. And basically, carbs are the body's main energy uh, source. So they provide our brain and our muscles and all of our organ systems with the energy that our body needs in order to function. A generically carbohydrate-free diet is never recommended to be followed long-term unless you are under medical supervision. Um, There's so much talk about carbohydrates right now in the media. They are currently that macronutrient that is getting demonized. Um, and you know, we're told that carbs are going to make us fat and that carbs are going to cause heart attacks and all these bad things associated with carbs. So I want to debunk and give you some information and resources about some of that today. So I told you kind of what carbohydrates are. Now let's talk about sources. So you can find carbohydrates in a lot of different food groups, actually. There's carbohydrates in vegetables, both starchy and non-starchy. So yes, there are even carbohydrates in your kale. It's just very few. There's carbohydrates in your whole grains and refined grain products. So whole grains would be things like brown rice, oatmeal, quinoa, barley, um, whole wheat, and oats. I think I might have already said that one. Um, and then your refined grains would be things like your white flour, white rice, um, you know, your refined um oats like in the form of Cheerios and that kind of thing. They're also found in legumes like beans and lentils. These things also have our some of our other macronutrients included, but they do have carbs as well. They're also found in fruit, um, fruit, whole fruit dried fruit, fruit juices, all that good stuff. There's also carbohydrates in um, like sugar, basically. So if you see white sugar, maple syrup, honey, agave, there's carbohydrates and all of that. So to break it down really simply for you, and I'm trying going to try not to get too sciencey in this podcast to, so that we keep it more at a basic understanding level in a way for you to actually apply it to your life and not get too lost In some of the big words in science, but carbohydrates essentially we eat them from all those different foods, they digest and turn into glucose. And glucose, which is basically another word for sugar, anything that ends in os is basically gonna be code for sugar. So sucrose is table sugar, fructose is fruit sugar, lactose is milk sugar, glucose is basically the most plain form of sugar otherwise known as carbohydrates. So we eat carbs, they turn into glucose, which is sugar. And then basically that glucose provides our brain and muscles and other tissues with energy. But the glucose can't get from your bloodstream into the cells for energy without something called insulin. Now, you might have heard of insulin before. It is a super popular um, buzzword kind of hormone and you might have heard of it more in the context of diabetes, um, whether you have a loved one with diabetes, or maybe you've just heard of it in passing, or maybe you're a healthcare worker. But insulin essentially is released from the pancreas after we eat food that contains carbohydrates. And it acts like a key to turn the cells open, to unlock them so that the glucose hanging out in your bloodstream can get into the cell for energy. Now, There's a lot of different, you know, concerns or just like things to note about this process. Mostly that for some people, like maybe those with diabetes, whether it's type 1 or type 2 or kind of the more controversial, whether it's actually considered even a diagnosis or not, type 3, um, gestational diabetes, people with metabolic syndrome, heart disease, is that sometimes this mechanism doesn't work properly or very efficiently. Women with PCOS um, or other hormonal imbalances may also experience this, but sometimes what can happen if our body's um, response to eating carbs isn't working super efficiently is that either the pancreas won't release enough insulin or it will release plenty of insulin, but the key almost isn't the right shape to unlock the cell anymore. Our cells are not recognizing it, and therefore they're not opening and letting the glucose into the cell for energy, which is a problem because then you've got a bunch of glucose or sugar hanging out in your bloodstream, giving you what we'd call a high blood sugar. Also, you know, if the sugar is not getting into yourself or energy, then you're not getting energy from the food you eat. And that's a problem because it's going to send all kinds of signals to your brain saying, Hey man, eat more because I really didn't get any of that. So one thing that can make this insulin response better and more efficient is exercise, especially things like strength training and cardiovascular activity. So runners often have a really good shot at improving their insulin response through all the exercise that they do. So basically when your muscles are contracting, like when we're moving around, or maybe when we're exercising more intensely or going for a run, essentially it makes our cells either more sensitive to that insulin so that they're like basically sewing their doors wide open and are like, come on in, uh, glucose, give us energy or it makes it so that we don't even really need the insulin in the first place in order for the glucose to get into the cell. And I'll explain a little bit more on that later, but basically that's why exercise is really helpful to manage your, you know, blood sugar, to manage, you know, kind of all the consequences that can come of having poor insulin response. And let's talk about carbohydrates in that context. So now we know that they need to get into the cell in order to be useful. <laughs> um, and basically, a lot of the times, they're getting into the cell just fine. So let's talk about the other end of the spectrum, where maybe we're not eating a ton of carbohydrates. Maybe we're, we're doing keto. Maybe we're doing low-carb, Atkins, Paleo, South Beach, Jenny Craig, whatever, whatever other low-carb diet you can think of, because there's a bazillion out there, and I'm sure there'll be a new one next year because there always is. But what happens when we're not eating enough carbohydrates chronically without medical condition indicating that it's necessary, such as maybe imbalanced hormones or something like um, epilepsy, specifically in children, is that we're going to be lacking in the main source of energy that our brain and muscles need to thrive. And what that you know makes occur is that it makes us crave them even more. So to fuel running, which is something that primarily is going to burn a lot of calories, specifically coming from carbohydrates for energy, if we're not eating enough carbohydrates, I can tell you a couple of things are going to happen. You're often going to be experiencing very low blood sugars because we're not eating carbs. Therefore, there's no carbs getting digested. Therefore, there's no glucose going into the bloodstream or into the cell for energy. So we don't have that much energy. So you're going to have a low blood sugar which is probably going to mean that you're craving carbohydrates very intensely and very often. If you're following a diet protocol, you're going to think that, you know, you just lack willpower, that you're failing this diet, and like you just have to be stronger about it. But guys, you don't have to be stronger about anything. (laughs) It's just biology working, you know, the way it's designed to work. And biology needs carbohydrates. So if you're constantly cutting them out and then craving them or having sugar cravings, Think about if you're eating enough carbohydrates, especially if you're a runner. So other things that not eating enough carbohydrates can cause. So just to list a few things, um, in women, you know, if you're not eating enough calories or enough carbs, it can often cause, you know, elevated cortisol levels, which is something that um, we talk about in Inside Tracker, which is where the body's very stressed. It can also actually cause low cortisol levels. It can cause... Issues with your hormone function, lost periods, which we now know is a big problem when it comes to performance, injury prevention, bone health, all kinds of things, fertility. Um, And also, it can eventually cause our hunger signals to even go away because your body's like, okay, we keep asking for carbohydrates by making this this person crave sugar, but she's not really, or he, you know, they're not really eating (laughs) any sugar for us. And this is pretty stressful already because we're functioning on low energy. So instead of continuing to make this person crave carbohydrates, there must clearly not be any around. Otherwise, they'd be eating them because we're, we're sending them all these signals. So you must be in a starvation period. So we're just going to turn these hunger signals down a little bit. This is a problem <laughs> because then what happens is that a lot of the times people kind of say, well, I'm not hungry, so I'm not going to eat. And then we kind of get stuck in this vicious cycle of not eating enough, not feeling our bodies well, maybe getting injured, maybe having gut issues, maybe having organ systems not functioning optimally. Um, And that can be a problem when you're trying to accomplish things in running. So if I had to say, you know, probably top three things I see in a lot of clients I work with who run, it's that oftentimes they're not eating enough carbohydrates to support the level of running they want to be supporting. So talked about carbs. Let's talk about protein. So protein, unlike carbohydrates, I would say right now is like the queen or king macronutrient. It is so popular in the media. You can buy protein powder from pretty much anyone these days, and all of them are claiming that theirs is the best and that it's going to fix all your problems. Um I mean, I've just heard so many different things about protein. I've heard of people, I think Zach Efron ate like 12 chicken breasts in a day for his diet that was high in protein. Um, you know, again, there's several protein powders out there. Keto is often very high in protein and fat. So, you know, protein's kind of getting a good rep <laughs> these days. But Here's what I want to say is that each macronutrient does different things for us. So therefore, they're all equally as important, including protein. Yeah, it's great, but it's not really that special. If you're not getting enough carbohydrates and fat, getting enough protein isn't really going to matter. So let's talk about protein. So it's got four calories per gram, just like carbohydrates. So the same nutrient density. Um, Basically, we can find protein from dairy products uh whey and casein are the protein in dairy products we can find protein in legumes like beans and lentils we can find protein in seafood um poultry red meats beef bison um you can find it in moose meat which is you know something i had to learn being a dietitian in new england for a long time yes moose meat i just said that on my podcast um you can find it from nuts and seeds You can also find it in whole grains. There's a little bit of protein and some dark leafy vegetables like kale and spinach and broccoli also contain sources of protein. You can also, of course, find it in protein powders and supplements as well. So while protein is found in a lot of different places, something that's interesting about protein is that basically it's not all created equal. Proteins made up of amino acids. So I talked about carbohydrates being made up of glucose. And something I didn't touch upon as much is they're also made up of fiber. Um, complex carbs have more fiber in them, like your whole grains. And simple carbs have less fiber in them, like, you know, your refined grains and fruit juices and cookies and that kind of thing. So carbs are made from glucose. Protein is made of amino acids. And amino acids are, some of them are essential, branched chain amino acids being a few. You might've heard of BCAAs as a supplement on the market. Um, And that just means that we have to get these amino acids from the diet. And what that means is that some dietary sources are very complete and they contain all the essential amino acids while others don't. So, you know, if you were to just say, have like collagen powder all day long (laughs) and that was your only protein source, Or if you were to just sit around and have peanut butter all day long, and that was your only protein source, typically plant-based sources of protein fall into this category, you would not be getting all of the essential amino acids in the amounts that you need to be successful or function as a human. If you're looking at like meat products, since this was an animal that was functioning, it is complete in all of the amino acids. Oftentimes, whey protein as well is very high in most of the essential amino acids. So all of this is to say that you want to have a variety of protein in your life. If your protein is only coming from a protein powder or if it's only coming from chicken breast, you're just you're not going to be getting everything that you need. (laughs) That's why we're meant to eat a lot of different things as humans. And we're not meant to stick to the same like five safe foods that are out there. So protein really digests slowly, and it helps maintain and build your muscle mass, so your lean body tissue. It also helps in the process of enzyme creation and hormone creation, which is very important. It makes up hemoglobin in red blood cells and also helps maintain a healthy pH. This also helps support your immune health by helping form antibodies. So protein is basically a builder in the body without all of these essential amino acids that make up protein and getting enough of all of them from a variety of protein sources in your diet. You're going to have some problems with iron. You're going to have some problems with energy, muscle mass, metabolism. So that's why protein, you know, is super important for sure. And also we're finding in research that, as we age, which unfortunately basically means what, after we turn 30, <laughs> um, we tend to not utilize protein as well, especially for females. So there's some research that says that, like, for example, just to put this in plain terms, if you're a female and you're in your 50s, you know, and you have 30 grams of protein, which would be maybe like deck of card size piece of chicken breast, You're not going to absorb all 30 grams of that protein as well. So like you might have absorbed all of it in your 20s out of that same exact food, but in like your 40s and 50s, not so much, which basically means you're not reaping as many benefits because you're not meeting your needs as easily as you used to. Getting old, it's tough. So protein does become even more important to prioritize as a macronutrient as we age. Also, if we're female, so females... You know, I talked about carbohydrates providing us with a lot of energy and also protein provides us with a building block to create muscle mass. But I want to emphasize here is that you can't do anything with that unless you have enough energy in the form of carbohydrates to fuel that metabolism. So ladies, basically caveman days, (laughs) we do not really need our muscle mass to survive you know, men do because they are chasing the saber-toothed tigers out of the cave in caveman days, whereas females are, you know, kind of preparing to get pregnant. So fat is a lot more important for our body's survival than, than muscle masses. And I know that's frustrating to hear, but that's biology. So we keep fighting biology a lot as females. We need to embrace it a little bit more and learn how to use it, um, you know, to aid in our strengths. So protein can be important for female athletes because if you're not getting enough of it and if you're not getting enough carbs, because now we know they go together and are important, you're not getting enough protein, basically your your metabolism and just the way your body works is going to go and break down that muscle mass first for energy before it breaks down fat, (laughs) which is frustrating. But for guys, that's not really the case, which is why nutrition for females and nutrition for males are very different in some respects. So hopefully that helps you understand protein a little bit more. Now let's talk about fat. Fat is the third macronutrient in this podcast episode. Fat has nine calories per gram, which is over double of the other two, which just means that it's very um, energy dense, which makes sense, right? Like think about, you know, if you were to drink a cup of oil or eat a stick of butter, that would keep you way more full than than having an apple. (laughs) um, or even eating like a piece of chicken. So fat has nine calories per gram and comes from a lot of different places. So we've got, you know, a couple different categories of fat that I want to touch on today. So we've got trans fat which basically is more or not man-made. Um, it's Crisco. It's found in like your baked goods. It's found in like the hydrogenated oils in your classic Jif or Skippy or Peter Pan peanut butters. It's found in the hydrogenated oils of some of your like baked goods or different kinds of like processed foods, Twinkies. <laughs> um, it's very solid at room temperature. These are fats that we should pretty much avoid. Um, a lot of them will be illegal to put in food at some point in the near future. I thought it would be sooner, but they keep pushing that back as an action item for um, the US. But things like uh, traditional coffee make creamers, baked goods, traditional peanut butters, they all have trans fat in them. Now, if you go and turn around the nutrition label on your GIF peanut butter, you know, if it's just the classic like blue top one, It's going to say zero grams of trans fat per serving, but it's also going to say hydrogenated vegetable oil or palm oil or palm kernel oil in the ingredients list. Labeling laws allow them to round down to zero if it's under a certain amount. So if you're having peanut butter daily or maybe more than one serving, you are having quite a bit of trans fat in your life, and it is directly um, implicated in terms of cardiovascular disease and other things such as insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome. So trans fat is one of those nutrition things that I say, yeah, this actually is bad for us, (laughs) but if you're having something with it every once in a while, it's okay to have. Saturated fat is the second type of fat. This I kind of consider like a yellow light. So for runners, having saturated fat in your diet is super important Oftentimes, it's a way to get in plenty of calories to support your running and to support all of the energy that you're burning while doing this sport. Also, it is implicated in cardiovascular disease if you're eating a lot of it every day and you're not eating the third type of fat, which is unsaturated fat. So saturated fat is typically found in your dairy products, your butter, um, things like coconut oil. Yes, it's a saturated fat. And basically, um, you know, saturated fats are fine, but like they're not quite as bad for us as trans fats. They're not quite as good for us, though, as unsaturated fats, but they're good to incorporate in your diet every so often. Something I didn't mention, too, is that meat products do have trans fat in them, but it's a different kind of trans fat than the man-made one that you would think of as Crisco, and it's not really in the same category. So I forgot to mention that before. So let's go to the third type of fat, which is unsaturated fat. So basically, unsaturated fat is super protective of our heart health um, in the right types, which I'll talk about. It's anti-inflammatory and is mostly found from plant or is all found from plant-based products. So basically, all fats help us with the absorption of vitamins A, D, E, and K, Vitamin D, as we know, which I'll get into in the next episode in the series, is super important for bone health, immunity, and all types of things for runners and the general population as well. And fat helps us absorb these. It's also important in building the structure of our body in terms of lipid membranes of our cells and different tissues. It helps in the production of hormones, which is super important, especially in females because we have a very complex hormone situation going on with our female health. Helps with insulation and also helps give us energy. So fat is also a form of energy for our body. It's a pretty nutrient-dense form of energy. And a lot of the thought behind like the keto diet or the low-carb diet is that, well, we can just get our energy from fat. A lot of us have stored a lot of fat Could we just mobilize this somehow? Because it would be a pretty economical source of energy. Now, to get into that, our bodies aren't as good as using fat for energy. Even though it is more nutrient-dense and we would have to use less of it to get just as much energy, our bodies aren't as good at metabolizing and mobilizing it for energy. If you train your body to only, you know, kind of rely on fat for energy... It will get better at the oxidation process of fat, of metabolizing it and using it for energy, but it's still not as easy or preferred as using carbohydrates. Our bodies are so designed to use carbohydrates for quick sources of energy. And fat's really more of an afterthought. I like to talk about it as it's kind of like the reserves in your fuel tank, it's precious. It's super important to have it just in case, but it's only meant to get you to the next gas station, gas being the carbohydrates. So hopefully that helps. So to go back to our unsaturated fats and dive into those a little bit more, unsaturated fats come from things like avocados, olive oils, avocado oils, um, nuts and seeds like walnuts and pumpkin seeds, also salmon, fatty fish, sardines are a big one as well and many more. Omega-3s are an anti-inflammatory type of unsaturated fat, and they're cardioprotective, and I often see a lot of runners not eating enough of these. (laughs) Um, They can be really helpful in terms of athletic performance in that they help us recover from our workouts. So omega-3s build and maintain cell membranes, the fluidity of cell membranes, and they're also basically helpful in the inflammatory process because cells in our bodies that are involved in the pro inflammation response are omega six fatty acids, which are also found in plants. Um, and these produce eicosanoids, which are involved in inflammation. So, omega sixes are found in your things like cottonseed oil, you know, palm oils, or not palm oils, rather, but the. Um, like safflower oils and other things that are liquid at room temperature, corn oil, things that come from a plant. But oftentimes these are pro-inflammatory. So even though they're unsaturated fats and they were originally thought to be protective of our cardiac health, now we're finding that, yeah, they could be, but the way we produce and grow them in this country kind of makes them more inflammatory, which we don't want as much of. So it's okay to have omega sixes in your diet. Actually, it's crucial that you do, but we want the ratio of omega threes to be higher than omega sixes. And because those omega sixes create those eicosanoids, which are involved in inflammation, we want more omega threes because these produce resolvins and not as much omega sixes to produce those eicosanoids. And basically, resolvins. are helpful in fighting inflammation. We want our baseline as humans, and especially as runners, to be not inflamed. And we find right now with the American diet that a higher intake of these omega-6 fatty acids from things like corn oil and safflower oil, um, palm oils, and things like that, that are found in like your generic, you know, salad dressings that are shelf-stable, um, you know baked products, packaged foods, a lot of those types of things. Um we find that we want them to we want our diets to be higher in omega-3s. So omega-3s often come from salmon, <laughs> um sardines, mackerel. There's some omega-3s in things like chia seeds, flax seeds, uh walnuts. But Basically, the way that omega-3s are formed in plant-based sources are not as effective at being anti-inflammatory and supportive of our our brain health, um, our overall cardiovascular health. Um, And that's why it's important to incorporate those fish sources, which I know a lot of people don't really like (laughs) or they don't think to incorporate as often. And this is why the American Heart Association does recommend that basically we incorporate oily fish like salmon, sardines, and mackerel twice a week, if not more. But I know a lot of people don't do that. And another problem is that farm-raised sources of fish in this country are fed things like omega-6-based foods like corn, and it makes the fish itself actually higher in omega-6s. <laughs> so we were originally going to the farm-raised salmon to get omega-3s, but actually we're getting omega-6s. So we want these things to be coming from wild-caught sources if possible. And I know a lot of people may not be open to that. So that's why finding a high-quality omega-3 supplement can be really a great strategy to help make sure you're you're filling the gap in terms of your nutrition. If you're finding that salmon, wild-caught a couple times a week probably isn't going to happen for you or sardines or mackerel. Chances are if you don't like salmon, you're probably not going to go for those either. Yeah. Um, so finding a high-quality omega-3 supplement is definitely important. Your quality matters because we just learned that even if you go to traditionally omega-3 rich things, if they if they weren't healthy and fed a great diet, they can be high in omega-6s. And if you're taking an omega-6 concentrated supplement, that's really not going to have the effect <laughs> that you want it to have, and you're going to be out a bunch of money. So two that I recommend that are known for having high-quality sources are Nordic Naturals um, and also Barleen's, which is more of a liquid form supplement. It tastes really good though. It's like a, they have like a key lime and like lemon. I recommend it to a lot of my my pediatric clients in the past and they eat it happily. So I know you will too. Um, So those two, I definitely recommend. There's also multivitamins out there like Smarty Pants um, that are gummy form and they have the omega-3 included. I personally take that one, um, the prenatal but you don't want to take a multivitamin without consulting your lab work with something like Inside Tracker and using a registered dietitian like me to kind of help you assess if you need a multivitamin because taking too much of certain nutrients can be harmful. So you don't want to just blindly take a multivitamin without having lab work done and specific recommendations from a professional. So if we can't get omega-3 sources of uh, food from food, we want to do a supplement. And I want to say, too, as runners, you know, I think we're always afraid of having too much inflammation. That's bad. But we want to have some inflammation in our bodies. And I'll dive into this a little bit more in the micronutrient episode that I plan to do in this series. But for runners, basically running or any kind of exercise, we're going out there We're working hard, and it's causing micro tears and little, you know, inflammatory response type things in our bodies. And the inflammatory response triggers our immune system to then use the good nutrients that we're eating and the good energy we have on board to repair itself and become stronger. So we don't necessarily want no inflammation in our body because then we're not going to be reaping any benefits from exercise. (laughs) So having some inflammation is good. But, you know, we don't want the inflammation to continue unnecessarily at baseline. We don't want to be inflamed at baseline. If you have an injury, if you're sick, you know, if you're underfueled, or if you're eating foods that are, are inappropriate for you as an individual, say you have food allergies or gut health issues. A lot of these things, or if you're not sleeping, that's a big one, a lot of these things can cause baseline inflammation, and using dietary approaches like omega-3s, having plenty of all the macronutrients, fruits and vegetables, whole-rich food sources, being adequately hydrated, all things we'll talk about in this series, you know, all of that is really going to be helpful for you to maintain a more normal baseline of inflammation, Because we know that when we're constantly inflamed, basically we have excess pain or excess stress. And excess pain does, you know, has been shown in research to inhibit muscle function and therefore performance. And we know too that inflammation and pain also make cells more sensitive to insulin um or I'm sorry omega 3s <laughs> it makes cells more sensitive to insulin and we now know that that's a good thing if we're athletes um and this is kind of what I said I would talk about for how exercise can help us um and it's basically that it helps make um our cells more susceptible to insulin and more sensitive to it so that we can open the cell up let that glucose in for energy from the carbohydrates So I know this episode was probably a lot of information. Um, You know, I tried to keep it more baseline for you so that you can apply some of these things. So let's take some of this into application. So how do I use carbs, protein, and fat in my diet? So I just told you all about what they are, what they do, where you get them from, you know, what's positive, what's maybe not so positive, supplements, all of that. Basically, what I kind of practice with my clients, specifically my runners, is that we need all of these things at every meal, and we need at least two of these things at every snack. I'm going to talk more about pre- and post-run nutrition in another episode of this series and how to specifically use things like carbohydrates, protein, and fat ar- like right around your runs, like right before, right after, or maybe even during, in order to boost your performance and support your body. But in terms of our meals, we really want to have about a third of our plate coming from carbs, a third of our plate coming from protein, and a third of our plate coming from non starchy vegetables. And we want, you know, some fat to be included in there as well. I don't include fat as a section of the plate because typically it's unrealistic. Like we're not going to just pour oil onto a quarter of our plate, like that would be weird and unrealistic, Um, but typically your vegetables are going to be sauteed in it or have a dressing, or maybe there's going to be some in your like protein product if it's animal or plant-based, you know, those types of things. So it usually finds its way on there because it is important. So we want our plate to be in thirds most of the time. If you have a big training day coming up, or maybe you're experiencing one today, you want this to be a little bit different. You want about half of your plate to be carbohydrates as a runner, a quarter of your plate to be protein, and a quarter of your plate to be non-starchy vegetables. And fat, you know, you could probably take it or leave it depending on how your body processes it because it does digest very slowly because it's that nine calories per gram. And we know that when things don't digest well for runners, it often comes back to haunt us on the run. So I like to focus on having plenty of fat in your diet, but maybe putting it kind of far off from your run, if that makes sense in in regards to timing. But we'll talk about that more in a later episode. So I really hope that this helped you understand the different macronutrients, what they do for us, and that neither, like none of them are good or bad. (laughs) They just are all essential, and they're all equally as important. Carbs aren't bad fat's not bad, protein is not king, they're all equal. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would really appreciate a rating and review. If you're looking for more specific recommendations and you want to learn more about what it's like to work one-on-one with me as a dietitian and personal trainer to help you improve on your running and health goals, I would be happy to set up a free discovery call with you. You can head over to fitcookienutrition.com and set up a free discovery call there using a time that you can find on my calendar there that works well for both of us. And again, this is totally free. Um, And it just allows me to have a chance to talk with you about your goals, kind of where you're coming from and where you want to go, decide if we're a good fit, of course, and chat about the structure of what we could look like working together. If you're looking for more specific um, recommendations in regards to training for a marathon or how to meal prep and plan using healthy recipes that are also delicious and don't require any skills or time in the kitchen. (laughs) Um, I would encourage you to head over to fitcookienutrition.com as well and go under products where you'll find my marathon fueling guide and also my Busy Bee cookbook and meal planning guide, which I have sold separately or also as a bundle for the serious runner who wants to really tackle things from all angles. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, guys. And until next time, happy running.